Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Some guys who were preacher fans, the only dudes who could ever teach me. Were some guys who were preacher fans, yes they were, they were, oh yes they were. That's a podcast theme right there. Welcome to Preacher Men, the podcast talking about AMC's show Preacher. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I am Pete. Yes. Yes. And oh man. Now we should establish if you're hearing us for the first time, we do a regular live show in New York called comic book club. This podcast through the Nerdist network and Pete has been a huge fan of preacher, both the comic and the TV show for a real long time. Now he has been bothering us to talk about preacher for what would you say, Pete, a year? Yes. Well, he's been bothering us for a long time, but specifically about this. For 10 yes. years, I've yeah. been bothering you, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so he's been talking about it for a while, and we decided with the show coming back for a second season on June 25th on AMC that we would do a podcast leading up to it and leading into the new season. So we're revisiting the episodes. I think, Justin, both you and I watched the first couple of episodes and then got real busy. Is that basically what happened? That is exactly right. I was uh, I became a preacher, so that sort of took the focus away from watching preacher. Got it. And have you? It's, it's different. It's very different. Sure, um, it's basically the same sort of thing. There's yeah. you. You tell people stuff. You murder a bunch of people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Every church has an art space. <laughs> uh, now, Pete, when did you first become a fan of preacher? What was your first experience with it? Uh, well, I was a fan of Punisher and then I wanted more material. And so I heard about Garth Ennis and, uh, you know, and Steve Dillon on Preacher. And, uh, once I started reading that, that was like a, just a gift. Uh, so it's sort of like I started smoking weed and I wanted something more intense. So I tried <laughs> crack. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not encouraging people to do crack, but yes, as far as comic books are concerned, that's a perfect analogy. Sure. Let's just say for the record that Pete is encouraging people to try crack and we can move on from there. No, 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 crack is whack. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Good Uh, one. Now, Justin, what about you? What was your experience? Have you read Preacher at this point? Uh, not to jump into confession too early, but no, I've never read Preacher. Oh. Mm. You should. It's amazing. 
Uh, yeah, that's what I hear. But now we're, I'm watching the show, so I can just see it through these innocent uh, virgin eyes. It is actually very interesting. I mean, I I hardcore read it for the first time before the first season came out, and then watched, I think, the first two episodes of the show, and then completely fell off. But it'll be interesting to filter that through, because it is... There's a lot of touch points from the comic book, but particularly for the first season, it veers off pretty radically from what happens yep. in the book. Um, yep. now, so uh, I'm curious. Alex, it's going to be interesting to get your perspective versus usually yeah. when it's not interesting to get your perspective. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, Alex, you said you hardcore read it. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. You hardcore read something. You just like read it fast. And or like you read it like in the uh, like skydiving or like with yeah. a Gandhi I'm drinking pen. Mountain Dew. No, I, yeah. I did a bunch of crack because Pete told me to. <laughs> he encouraged me to, and uh, then I, I read the book. That, that's what I'll I meant. Tell you what, all those drugs, Alex, you don't miss a step. You're the same <laughs> yeah. dude. Thank yeah. you. You're a real high functioning <laughs> crackhead. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah. So I, I read the whole book in like I think a week and a half, all of uh, seven or eight volumes or whatever it was, uh, before watching the first couple of episodes of the show. But then it's been a while since I revisited both the book and the show versus Pete, who is biggest Steve Dillon, Garth Ennis fan, maybe in the entire world. Is that fair? Yeah. I don't know if it's in the entire world, but it's I'm I'm in the conversation for sure. You're in the conversation. Uh, would yeah, you say yeah. you're the son of a preacher fan? Yes, I would. Yes, yes I would. would. Uh, rest in peace, Steve Dillon. Oh, nice. That was very sweet, actually. All right. Well, let's uh, the way that we're going to run this podcast normally when we actually catch up to the second season when it starts to be on, we'll have a couple more sections. We'll take your viewer mail, things like that. Uh, but for right now. We're going to talk through the episode, and then we'll talk about some highlights from it, right? Yeah, yeah. I would like to touch upon something that you talked about, Selvin, how it's very different from the comic book. And sometimes that can be a very uh, a real turnoff to super fans. But I think something that which, which is great with where we are now with television based on comic books is you don't have to. You can make decisions within the world that make sense for the character in this kind of different telling of the story. And I think they do a great job of keeping the core of who the characters are and just kind of making a different choice so it's not like I'm seeing just the comic book on television. I, I agree with you. I love that, uh, especially on a show like Game of Thrones. They do that a lot. Uh, uh, American yeah. Gods, they do that a lot. Yeah, we should mention that we do a American Gods podcast as well and make sure to mention Game of Thrones every episode because Pete has never watched it. So let's yeah. get into our future podcast versus melding it. everything together in some super podcast universe. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, but So we're going to talk about the pilot this episode of the podcast, the first episode of the Preacher series, which was written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Um and uh, and Sam Catlin, excuse me. Uh, and to Pete's point, the thing that's really interesting to me about this episode is it captures the sense of the comic preacher without strictly following the plot pretty much at all. Um, yeah. You know, we are introduced to uh, Jesse Custer, who is a preacher in a small town of Anvil. Uh, we meet... Uh, I would like to... Oh, I would yes. like to say the casting of the show is phenomenal. I think they really did a great job. They made some different choices with some of the characters, um, 
but man, just fantastic casting, I feel like. Right. Yeah. So actually, before we even get into Jesse Custer, though, we're introduced to some sort of big, bright object that is speeding towards right. Earth and makes a preacher in Kenya explode. Uh, what do you guys think about that scene? I thought that was kind of a great, bold opening to the show that you don't expect. Yeah, yeah also, I loved it. Also, it was very kind of like artistic and fun, the kind of like old school, like sci-fi, like kind of models and stuff like that with the way they were kind of showing what was going on. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And also s- sets up the, the tension of what's coming for our character, our preacher, uh, having other people explode. They're really kind of like, Oh shit, what's going to happen? You know? Uh, yeah. I lo- especially it just establishes the over the top violent tone, but also like how fun it is. Like, yeah. He's like I'm. I'm the chosen one, or something, and then he just literally explodes on his whole uh, congregation. Yeah, yep. yeah. One of the things that I got big time from this uh, from this series and from this episode in particular is there's a bit of a Sam Raimi vibe going on. I feel like, yeah, uh, particularly sure. Evil Dead type stuff where it's just over the top violence and it can be scary sometimes, but it's also funny and gross. And, and that's something that Steve Dillon definitely pushes in his art and yeah. Garth Ennis in his writing. So I, I think they did a really good job of just putting it right out there. Uh, but yeah. then we get into it and we meet Jesse Custer who his, nobody's going to his church. Nobody's interested in talking to him. Uh, what'd you guys think about Dominic Cooper as Jesse? How do you do? I think he did phenomenal. I really think it it really captures him and what he's all about, and the hair is perfect. So yeah, I mean it's it's fantastic. Uh, having now read the comic, he uh, it's interesting. The character feels like pretty depressed, uh, mm-hmm. but otherwise, so he sort of like has a dead eyed look at the world. Right. Uh, so that's interesting to me. I want to see more from him, and I'm assuming we will. No, oh, yeah. that's it. He's done after this episode. He just disappears. <laughs> is he the preacher in the name of the story, or are we going to see more of that guy in Africa? Uh, yeah, mostly the guy in Africa as they slowly sweep yeah. up his blood into a blood pile. It's really from yeah. his perspective. Yeah, the blood, blood pile. pile. Yeah, oh, the blood pile POV shots are just phenomenal. Yeah, and then the blood pile falls in love with, like, another blood pile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't spoil things for people. Yeah. Um, I would like to get to my favorite, uh, one of my favorite parts of the episode, how we're introduced to Tulip. Sure. Tulip is very different from in the book. You want to talk about that, Pete? Yeah, I really love uh, the choices that they made with Tulip. I feel like they updated the character in such a cool, badass way. I mean, Tulip becomes a badass, but here we see Tulip as a badass right out of the box and it's just so fun the way she can interact with different people and how she is sweet but powerful and oh man i mean the the whole like okay kids this is how you make a bazooka was just so enjoyable yeah. so enjoyable i, I gotta tell she's, you i oh go ahead justin sorry I was gonna say, she's a she's my favorite character uh of sort of the main ones we're introduced to she's so fun uh the actress who plays her is great and yeah like i love the 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 fight at the through the cornfield and the car is awesome and then the bazooka stuff is so fun and i really love how they hang on the kids 
Yeah. Um, in that scene, as opposed to seeing the action, the kids just come up and they're like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I felt like that little girl in that scene. She is so like enthralled with her as a person. And it, you can tell it's like changing this little girl's life for the better. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you felt like that little girl? Yeah, I did. I cool. did. I the, the way she like looked at her and stuff, I thought that was a good kind of mirroring for how the audience feels. Uh, getting Ruth Nega as uh, Tulip was probably their most prescient casting decision, I think. I mean, this is something that we can only get going back and talking about it. But when they cast her, the main thing I knew her from at that point was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where, weirdly, she was the mm-hmm. girl, she was the woman with the flower dress, and now she's yeah. Tulip. Uh, but since then, <laughs> she was nominated for an Oscar, and then she's going back and doing Preacher. So that's kind of an amazing get on AMC's part, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. that the rest of the cast is bad by any means, and Dominic Cooper had been a ton of stuff before, uh, who Cassie plays Jesse. It's great, but uh, particularly her, I, I will say, I mean, not to jump too far ahead, she felt very more cartoony than the rest of the episode to me in this pilot, but I tend to like her more as the series goes on, but she's mm. she's great. Uh, I'll t- uh, I want to talk about my favorite I mean, character. Oh, go ahead, Pete. What were you going to say? I, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, stop your forward momentum there, but I just feel like, uh, slow your roll with the cartoony. I don't want any kind of negative connotation towards Tulip. This is a phenomenal character. And, uh, I hope you didn't mean when you said cartoony that in a negative way, because I I'm not going to stand for that. She is, she is bad and she should feel bad. That's what I meant by that. No, no, yeah, she's she the worst. No, what the fuck? No, she's terrible. No, she's the no, no, she's a terrible person. I don't want to get Stop. too. I don't want to get. Why too, would you think she's a terrible person? No, no, I, I, Pete. I don't think Alex means that in a negative way. Yeah, I mean it in she's a. Like she's terrible. I mean it in a negative way, a Ruth negative oh. way. Never mind. Cool. <laughs> Forget <laughs> it. Can we talk about? Uh, I want to talk about Cassidy because Joseph yes. Gilgan is. My absolute favorite part, where Dominic Cooper feels like he's slowly working his way around to becoming Jesse, and I do feel like uh, Ruth Nega is doing a very different tulip uh, than in the book. Cassidy is Cassidy, like straight up. Even though he's introduced yeah, in a different it's way, right doing stuff. out of the book. Oh it's, my god, it's yeah. incredible how much he is channeling that character, and the way yeah. we're introduced to him. I mean, this was the point even more than the preacher in Kenya exploding where I felt like I was watching a Sam Raimi movie because Cassidy has introduced uh, bartending on a plane. He's joking around with people. And then in the middle of that, it turns out that he's a vampire and they're vampire hunters and they start pulling these weapons out of everywhere and fighting him. And I believe it's done mostly not silent, but without a score. So you just hear people screaming and yelling and they have these push in shots that I was like, yeah, this is, this is straight out of an Evil Dead movie, is what's happening right now, and it's great. and it's so funny. Like, there's even there's just weapons like laying around that like yeah. it's just funny the way they did it in the same way that Sam Raimi does, where it's like yeah, there's just an axe there. Well, yeah, when but- you're a vampire hunter, you're gonna have weapons everywhere you go. I mean, that's just part of your life. Pete, I've hunted vampires for years, and I don't have – I just have a weapon. Well, you're not prepared then. You're not really prepared. To- oh, well, talk to the vampires that I've hunted and well, killed. You, you, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're alive, but you've been lucky. You have to step your game up if you're going to continue to do this. Okay, um, why don't you get bit by a vampire, and we'll see who ends up getting hunted. Yeah, all right. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. 
You're done. Uh, you bring that shit to me, man. Uh, I I, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm done hunting vampires. I'm hunting Pete's. <laughs> you will lose hard. Anyways, I feel like... Uh, I'm yeah, standing I mean, right behind you. I'm standing I, right behind you. Uh, you are not. Um, I am. Look around. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking around. Um, I feel like, you know, yes, I understand what you're saying about Sam Raimi, but what's nice is it's a different... Yes, it has that humor with that violence and that over-the-top gore and kind of stuff, but I feel like it is uh, its own thing, um, especially just because it's like you're just sitting there, and what a fun device to be like... Meanwhile, 30,000 feet in the air and just cuts to that. I thought that was such a cool, creative. Yeah, listen, when I, I just want to say when I'm comparing it to Sam Raimi, that's a compliment. I'm saying that as a good thing versus the performance <laughs> of Tulip, which is like real bad, like offensive. Yeah. It's just you. This is one of the oh. I feel like I'm angry when I watch it. You know, it's, it's different things. Like it's just comparing it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Stop saying that. <laughs> uh, the, I will say the, the Cassidy scene, though, has two of my favorite bits. Uh, the end of it where he's impaled the pilot with the bottle and ends up pouring a yeah, uh, another a water bottle, bottle yeah. full of blood for yeah. himself is great and hilarious and gross. And then he jumps out. Land causes this crater to happen from landing from jumping out at thirty thousand feet and sucks a whole cow into the crater with him. <laughs> yeah. Both of those things are so fun. so fun and so over the top insane and absolutely wonderful. I love it. Um, the thing that's interesting about this to me, though, is how quickly Cassidy and Jesse jump into friendship, though, almost immediately. Can we talk about that bar scene? Yeah, I think yeah. when or is you, that jumping ahead too much? Uh, well, yeah, I would like to back up and talk about the the way. Like, I think what's so great about Cassidy is the fact that he is on such a different plane than everybody else. So, like, he's funny yet really dark and fucked up. So, like, the choice to make the I'm going to bring an umbrella with me as I jump out the plane was amazing. Uh, yeah, and the fact that he is thinking ahead, like I'm going to need blood if I'm going to survive this. Unlike Justin, who doesn't think I had to prepare, like he knew he would need that blood to survive. And yeah, I just uh, I think that it, it's such a cool, fun part of the show. And it, they're different characters. But when they meet, like that's when the story starts. And it's uh, it's pretty awesome. And as far as what you're saying, like, yeah, you're friends right away. But sometimes when you meet somebody and how you meet somebody, it's kind of instant, you know, and it's I like when like the three that. of us met. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. P, um, by the way, I already killed you. You just don't know yet. <laughs> Dude, you would have sent off a motion detector. I know you, bro. All right? A motion don't. detector? You yeah. have a motion detector? Dude, I'm not going to give away all my secrets, bro. You have no idea what you're walking into. If you, Jesus, this is, this is terrifying. So <laughs> they get to a bar. Uh, Jesse's drinking there. The, the plot line that we haven't really talked about is... There's this whole uh, abuse thing that's going on where a kid comes up to Cassidy earlier, yeah. not excuse me, yeah. not Cassidy, comes up to Jesse Custer earlier on and says, hey, my dad, he's been hitting me. He's been hitting my mom. Can you do something about that? I heard you were a badass back in the day. And uh, Jesse lays out everything that he's going to do in the world of pain he's going to bring. Uh, and the kid kind of backs off a little bit. So Jesse does the responsible thing, goes and talks to the wife at her work, and she reveals that she kind of likes it. She, yep. it's part yeah. of their sex life, which 
real uncomfortable conversation. Uh, but Donnie, the guy, co- confronts Jesse in a bar and is like, how dare you go to my wife's work and talk to me? We're going to beat the shit out of you. At which point, I feel like we meet what I'd arguably say is the real Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. And you get a glimpse, just a glimpse of what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I thought that was really, you know, this thing about if you're a preacher, all these people dump their problems on you, dump their stuff. And it's like, what can you do? How can you help? So at first he's like, I don't know, kid, fuck off. But then he's kind of like, it eats at his conscious a little bit. He's like, all right, fine. I'll go talk to her. Um, and yeah, and yeah, it had to be hard. Uh, and then like just the change in her as a character, like you think that she's kind of like small and mouncy and she's at work and she's doing stuff. And then she's kind of like changes and is like touching her necklace and being like, yeah, yeah, that's how I get down. And he's like, holy shit, what have I done? Um, but yeah, I, and the bar fight, oh, just glorious. And the fact that Jesse like calls it ahead of time and then won't stop until he does what he says. Oh, so great. Jeez. It's this so podcast great. is just a, is such fan Pete service. <laughs> well, what did you think about this scene, Justin? No, I love it. It's great. Um, it is it, like I mean, everything you guys are saying, I, I agree with. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's a great fight. Uh, it's great. That's what I love about the show. Think you should have stopped. Do you think you should have stopped when the cop was like, "Hey, all right, knock it off." No, no. That, that's what I like about the show. It's so it feels like it just follows the fun to all these yeah. crazy high moments, and that's great. I feel like that's where you can see like people that get comedy, uh, uh, Seth Rogen and, and Evan Goldberg. You can feel their presence there where they're like, we're going to do this right and make it awesome. But it also has a sense of humor to the mm-hmm. violence. And that's yep. that's great. Yeah. Uh, so then this leads into this is how uh, Jesse and um, oh, my gosh, name of character Cassidy. Wow. Why did I bring that? This is how Jesse and Cassidy. Uh, meet. They both get arrested. They become fast friends almost immediately, uh, which is like, I mean, that's how you become friends, right? You get into a bar fight yep. together, and you're like, "Cool, we're friends. We're best friends now." Um, yep. But Jesse also takes it as sort of a long, dark night of the soul. He's grappling with the idea of does God exist? What is his purpose on Earth? What is he doing here? At which point, the comet that's been flying around and murdering people, we should have mentioned this, that uh, kills Tom Cruise, rip Tom Cruise in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> which, if I remember correctly, was like a big deal at the time when the pilot happened that people were really pissed that they had killed Tom Cruise. I feel like Scientology off came screen, out. It's not like, it's not like, you know, I mean, they just mention it. No, I know, but I, I think but, Scientology <laughs> came out pretty hard against Preacher, which is pretty hilarious, if I yeah. remember correctly. Um, yeah. But uh, so then the comet uh, knocks out Jesse, and he wakes up three days later on Sunday morning when he was planning on quitting, but things go a little bit differently. Yeah. Uh, Justin, since you're relatively new to this, what did you think about the scene, and what do you think about what happened next? Well, I don't know. I mean, it feel I don't know. It feels like it's a mystery to me because I don't know. Um, but I think uh, it, did, did this comet choose him? Why? How did he pass? Why did he pass the test? Well, he is he is so strong. Um, 
physically. <laughs> you um, love him. <laughs> that he so can, strong and beautiful he, and yeah, real. That he can withstand. The comet's looking for a pure soul to inhabit that can hold this power that is off Earth. And he is the only one who has survived so far. He's the only one who can hold this uh, on Earth. Well, because he's so badass. I don't that's think that's totally a badass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, without spoiling too much, I don't, and actually I don't even know if they necessarily address this specifically in the first season, but I, I don't think that's specifically the reason. Like, I don't think it's just because he's a badass that he can hold this thing inside, but certainly that's something that we'll probably find out later, if anything. Uh but it does give him a power. He gives him the power. Uh, we didn't mention yeah. Brian Husky is in this episode. Do you guys know Brian Husky through comedy stuff? If you, yeah, he uh, he taught my level two at uh, UCB. Yeah, like, there you go. Well, well, he's dead now, as we find yeah, out this episode. Is. Pretty sad. He never told he never told me how to finish uh, an improv scene. Yeah, you uh-huh. got a yes, and and is the second part of that. You say uh, and twice? No, no, no. Well, yes, yes, and. Yes, and. Yes, and, and. Uh, anyway, it's too complicated. <laughs> God, I hate improv. Yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> and you are very smart, Alex. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm just glad that we script these episodes <laughs> instead of improving them. <laughs> so uh, so uh, Brian Husky has this uh, small arc in this episode where his mom is constantly bothering him. He, so he keeps bothering Preacher about it, and Preacher, the first time we hear this voice, the voice uh, that presumably comes from this comet that now inhabits him, he says, be brave, tell her the truth, open your heart. And so he marches down to Florida, tells his mother the truth, and then rips his heart out of his chest. Uh, what yeah. do you guys think is going on there? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he literally does what Preacher says, to the T. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it was, the voice of God right there. That's a that's a hell of a power to have, and uh, yeah, that really sets things up. Uh, but yeah, I thought I, you know, I mean, you're like, holy shit, when you see it. It's it's very intense scene, uh, but I think like done with a little bit of humor that makes it uh, so much more enjoyable. Yeah, it's very uh, Sam Raimi esque, if you will. Oh, yeah, Game of Thrones. Got yeah. It. Well, the thing that I think is really interesting about this is it's showing, first of all, you, you think he's the preacher. A preacher is somebody who we trust. It's a religious figure. It's somebody mm-hmm. who has the best intentions. But in this case, even though it's played as a sweet scene, as it's something that Jesse is trying to do, try to do the right thing, there's a really dark, bad undercurrent to it. So where we think he's been given this godly power because he's asked for God's help, and that's when this thing inhabits him, maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be. I guess that's what I I got from the scene. Yeah, uh, I think that's that makes a lot of sense. And I think that speaks to like religion, the power of religion in general. And that, that to me, that's what I took from it is like oh. sort of a be careful what you wish for monkey's paw sitch. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Now, the other thing that we get before we wrap up the episode yes. is. Yes. What, Pete? Will you say it if you're so Our upset? space. Oh, our space. oh, yeah, we actually skipped over our space completely. You want to talk about our space, Pete? Yeah, I mean, uh, what? A, how creepy was that, like, milkshake type thing that was being made uh, for our space to, like, it was such a fun kind of scary moment where he's walking up the steps 
with this bloody milkshake that has like raw meat in there. And it's just kind of like this creepy, like who's upstairs. Then we have the reveal of Arseface, who is this sweet little kid who maybe made some bad choices in life, you know? Yeah. How'd you feel about uh, Eugene, a.k.a. Arseface, Justin? I think he's got a problematic face. <laughs> yeah, like that's is... going to haunt him. That's going to haunt him. Yeah. Or I, uh, uh, an absolute gift. Eugene, though I like the actor and I like what they did in the episode, was my one disappointment what? from the book to the show. Because you can't exactly do Arseface the way that Arseface is in the book. Like, he is oh, yeah. straight right. up unintelligible and just horribly disfigured, actually looking like an arse face. And here you have a guy with prosthetic on his face and they do a good job and he's fun. And I think, like I said, the it's actors, a sweeter version of the character. It's a sweeter a version. Sweeter arse face. Yeah. 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 It's like a more innocent, sweeter kind of, even though what he did was so fucked up. But I think that, uh, yeah, they're making different choices. And, I know. Uh, just my problem is that the the joke doesn't quite work because you can actually understand him. Like if you yeah. close your eyes yeah. and listen, you can understand what he's saying, and you don't need the subtitles. Versus yeah. on a comic, he's basically going, and then but you can't do that. You can't do that in television. I mean, you could. It's kind of like an I am brute situation. It's like that. It's like that television show you can't do that on television where they all <laughs> shot themselves in the face sorry yeah bad joke it was like uh it's like mumbles and dick tracy and they just got to slow the tape down yep oh. exactly uh well, when i was i actually, mean it's hard it's just hard to translate it. and what, what can you do you gotta i think that it's they made the best attempt sure it, it just doesn't totally work for me i mean listen it's not as bad as tulip which is horrible oh, fuck like, absolutely you. just the worst <laughs> fuck thing this bit like you offensive dick. <laughs> yeah. stop it I'm you sorry. stop it uh don't you talk about preacher like that yeah, yeah. on this show where we review preacher no criticism <laughs> don't you say this thing that you do not believe all right let's talk about the last part of the episode though uh as we've been going around the world and seeing these various preachers and religious figures and tom cruise destroyed by the comet that eventually inhabits jesse uh there's two men who have been following it around and we end the episode with them realizing that the thing that they've been following around is here it's in jesse they eat a tea bag and head towards the church to go encounter him uh so what do you guys think's going on here i mean i i feel like do all of us know at this point do we need to play coy about it or how do you feel about this uh, i mean cat? it's clear they're just they're from france you know, it's, they eat tea bags there. They love tea in France, and so that's where they're from. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Pete, do you think they're cone heads? Is that what's going on? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Nice. Cone heads rep. Yeah, always. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, how do we show this isn't what you think it is? I'll have them eat the tea bag, you know? Yeah. Have you guys it's, ever eaten a tea bag? Yeah, every now and again. When I don't have any like hot water, I'll just put it in my mouth. Yeah. yeah. Your yeah. mouth is 98.6 degrees, so there you go. Yeah. Exactly, unless you're a fucking vampire or Pete LePage. And, <laughs> and then I'll kill you. Bring it. <laughs> um, all right, uh, anything else we should cover in the episode, or should we move on? Uh, so, so what are we doing? I probably should know this a little bit better, but it's our first episode, so if you're listening, please excuse us. Uh, revelations. I, I think we've covered some of the revelations here, but any big 
revelations you guys want to talk about? Uh, I mean, I, I guess revelations is where we talk about like our favorite or biggest moment for us in the show in the episode. Yes, and right. I think uh, Tulip, I feel like, is my uh, my revelation of the episode. She's great, and uh, that's uh, building a functional bazooka out of junk is not easy. Not easy. Uh, uh, she does it with style and class. Um, yes. Yeah, I think that uh, for me, the revelation of like. The fact that this show is so weird and so all over the place, uh, it just says so much about the material to be able to pull this off, like uh, to be able to do all these things and make it look good and make it look interesting. I mean, they've been trying to make Preacher for a long time, and AMC took a shot, and I think that they are doing an amazing job of bringing this to life in, in a way that is kind of, I mean, you're talking about, you know, beings from other planets, you're talking about vampires, you're talking about a preacher who drinks and uh, is very violent. I mean, that's crazy stuff to be dealing with, and they and it somehow all makes sense and doesn't seem weird. Um, uh, I'm going to say the cow. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, I love that moment. That was uh, – I – Watching the episode again, I remembered how much I just enjoyed that, the way that that's filmed, and just the cow getting sucked immediately into the hole. Yeah. That's great. And I just love cool. Cassidy across the board. All right. I think that's it for our first episode of Breacher Men. If you guys want to support this show and the other shows that we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. We'll say thank you on our main live show and uh, also, you know, send you some prizes and stuff. Also, we do a live show in New York every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the Pit Loft that's totally free that you can come by, say hi. We'll talk to you about Preacher in person. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about all the amazing guests we have on the show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live and tell Pete anything you want to say to him because he's going to die soon. (laughs) (laughs) And check us out at comicbookclublive.com. And remember, Tulip's the worst. Fuck you. Yes, Ad. That's our yes, that's our classic sign-off. <laughs> fuck Pete saying fuck you. <laughs>What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.